Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Investing in AI podcast. I'm Rob May. I'm a partner at PJC. And uh, this podcast looks at AI through the lens of uh, the impact that it has on businesses, products, markets, both public and private. And so I'm really excited for my guest today because uh, he plays in a sector of the economy with AI that not a lot of people are familiar with. Benjamin Cohen is the CEO of a company called Proton.ai. And Proton, uh, as he will tell you, really helps distributors distribute their products, sell more. They're a huge part of the economy. And again, a little bit of a sleepy old industry. So very excited to talk about this today. Benj, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so let's jump in with an explanation of what a distributor is exactly, because, you know, it's a it's a more, you know, sleepier part of the economy. It's been less touched by technology. So I'm not sure how many of our listeners will have a good feel for it. So can you explain to us the basics behind the distributor business? Totally. Distributors are a key part of the U.S. economy and a little bit of background on kind of how they operate. Distributors buy products from manufacturers in big boxes, put them in their warehouses and then sell them to other businesses in smaller boxes. And so the value that a distributor provides to the manufacturer is the manufacturer doesn't need to ship out all kinds of small quantities of their product to all different customers across the country or around the world. And the value to the end customer, the business who's buying from the distributor, is they can go to one place to buy everything they need to run their business. And there's you know high product availability. So with, when they need a, a valve or a fitting to fix something in their factory, they can get it right away. And, and it's the specific valve that they need. And so that's kind of the value on both sides. And so some examples of industries that distributors play in industrial distribution, electrical distribution, medical and dental, construction distribution, almost any business to business vertical has a layer that's uh, powered by uh, a number of distribution businesses. And in the US, total distributors do over $6 trillion a year in volume. So about a third of GDP passes through a distributor's warehouse at some point. Yeah, that's incredible. And I, you know, I wonder if maybe now distributors actually are starting to come to the forefront when you look at, you know, this thing like the 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 chip shortage that we've had in so many industries, right? Where so many of these chip companies sort of ship to distributors. And I, I've heard that the distributors are charging like crazy prices now um, for, you know, stock that they were holding because of the shortage. Yeah, no, it's interesting. COVID really, uh, not just in chips, but in general, brought distributors to the forefront. They're key part to getting supplies to where they need to be. And so distributors played an important role. I don't, I don't know as much about the chips, but in, in terms of COVID, distributors played an important role getting masks and gloves and other PPE supplies to hospitals and doctors where they needed it. I know that uh, the National Association of Wholesale Distributors, one of the um, distribution associations that we that we work closely with, uh, a lot of their members, some of the largest dist- distributors in the country donated you know, probably tens of millions, if not more, in terms of PPE and, and help sourcing it, help sourcing the supplies and, and all that. So they, they played, played a critical role in, in COVID for sure. Yeah, very, very cool. So now you had some family ties to the distribution business that made you maybe a little more comfortable with it as a CEO than, than, than a lot of people would be. But how did you, how did you get into AI on the, to, to sort of get the other piece of this? And then realize the opportunity to merge those things together and apply it to the distribution business model. Yeah. So I grew up in my family's distribution business. We sell dental products to dentists all across the U.S. Growing up, I traveled with my dad. He would visit you know, dental offices and I you know, watch sales reps and understand how the warehouse worked. Um, and I worked in the family business for a little bit. And so that's sort of where I, as you mentioned, sort of got familiar with the problems and challenges that distributors face. 
then got interested in AI and when I in, in college, and then sort of merging the two together, it, it occurred to me that one of the biggest challenges distributors face from a sales perspective is they sell a lot of products to a lot of different customers. So my family business sells 400,000 different products. The median Proton customer sells 687,000 different SKUs to tens of thousands of customers. So it's really hard for reps to figure out what customers need and for customers to find what they're looking for. And so it occurred to me that that's actually a, that's a data problem, right? It's huge amounts of products, huge amounts of customers, lots of transactions, high volume. And, and sort of optimizing that system is something that AI would be really good at. And so that's kind of when I when that clicked, that's when I realized there was an opportunity to apply some of the stuff that I had been learning in the classroom and through my own sort of exploration in AI to businesses like my family business. Yeah. Now, one of the problems that a lot of companies face when they uh, a lot of AI startups face um, or even AI projects, maybe in big companies, is the lack of data. And as you mentioned, like distributors have, you know, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of SKUs, maybe more. And so, you know, was that data set helpful to get started? Did it lead to more accurate models out of the gate? Or did you guys still have a learning period where you kind of had to figure out and it like, because you had this data set, I guess the question is, did it work really well from the beginning? Or did it still take some time to figure it out? And if it did take time, like what kinds of things did you have to do to, to make the product work better? Yeah, no. So one of the amazing things about distributors, and this is what we have to remind our customers and prospects of, is that they start with just a massive amount of data, which most AI companies or most AI problems don't start with such a, a rich data set to work from. So like, you know, when we got started, our first customer, my family business, I think we started with maybe 100 million transactions right out of the gate doing doing no uh, you know, no setup. We just got we just got that data. Four hundred thousand products, fifty thousand customers. So there's just so much data to get started with, which is a huge advantage for building kind of an AI system like this. And so we're we're able to make really good recommendations out of the gate. I think in terms of the learnings, though, early versions of the product, we were a little bit too focused on the AI piece of it and not focused enough on the delivery mechanism, how you got a salesperson to actually act on one of our suggestions. So the early version of the product, we took in all these transactions, customers, products, and made recommendations for the inside sales team of my family business to basically help them figure out what's special to offer a given dentist that they were calling. And we were super focused on building great models. And we, you know, we showed them the first version of the product and we basically got laughed out of the room because we hadn't figured out how to plug it into their, their workflow. So the data was there uh, and the models worked. And eventually we increased their um, revenue per customer touch. I think that first version of the product by five times, but we, we overlooked the most important part, which is where the model meets the person. And so once we got that right, then, then the product really started to work well. But as you mentioned, Distributors start with a lot of data, which is a huge advantage. Yeah. And so so let, let's keep pulling on that thread about sort of the user experience of using a tool like Proton, right? Because I have seen this in so many. So, so I've got, uh, you know, at the point that we're recording this podcast, I've made 103 investments and um, some of them, most of them are AI focused. And a big, big problem across the board is this user experience piece that you're talking about, which is the tool can do something really cool, but it doesn't fit into the workflow or people don't know how to interpret the result or, you know, something like that. It really becomes an adoption problem um, when it shouldn't be right. And uh, just people don't understand things. So, you know, how do you, you know, to what extent have you guys, you know, when you talk about joining the workflow, did you totally hide the ML and just not even do, do you not even sell it that way or 
talk about it that way or promote it that way in the interface? Do you plug into existing interfaces that they have and you just work behind the scenes? You know, do you have your own interface or, you know, do you have to do a lot of training, for example, or, or do you need a lot of feedback? from the reps to make, you know, to make the models work better? Or does that just all happen? Like, like walk us through a little bit of that, that piece of the business. Yeah, definitely. I think in terms of kind of getting, getting reps to be successful with the product. So a little bit of context on the, the, the sort of setup, we can plug into other interfaces, but we try not to. We're really focused on sort of owning the desktop experience. And the reason for that is reps today in distribution are working across many, many, many fragmented tools. We think there's value in pulling that all together and putting this sort of AI layer on top. The way that we, we've we thought about sort of plugging into those rep workflows is sort of simplifying things by, by pulling both sort of BI insights and AI insights and putting them into one place. So I'll give you an example of that. Um, so one, one of the use cases that we work with is field sales reps, uh, pre-Proton, maybe they have a CRM on their phone. Um, they've got an ERP system they're pulling up on their laptop. They've got spreadsheets full of different customers. Um, they've got an order entry system on their laptop and a bunch of different data they're looking at maybe before they go in to visit a customer. And so the way we plug into that workflow is we pull all the important information about their accounts into one application that exists on their phone. And then we layer on top of that AI to understand, kind of help the rep understand where they need to go with that customer. So instead of them digging through spreadsheets and ERP system and CRM and trying to find what they last purchased and what it means, our AI just kind of makes that simple for them and says, hey, based on all we know about this customer, here's kind of the next couple opportunities with this account, whether it's a wallet share opportunity or a reorder opportunity or whatever it is, we've sort of plugged into that workflow by using AI to simplify kind of what folks are doing. So that's that's one example. And then for desktop, desktop sales reps, one of the key things we figured out was making it really easy for reps to, it seems so simple, but it made a big difference for reps to copy the recommendations that we were making or put them into the emails they were sending back to customers. And so the early version of the product, you just check off the recommendations and then paste them into an email back to the customer. And the reps just loved this, it made a huge difference um, and, and helped them help them make those suggestions. So we're not hiding the AI, we're using AI to simplify and then thinking about uh, ways that we can make our application fit into the existing workflows. Um, and if, if we can simplify them. Gotcha. So, so tell me a little bit about how you approach sort of hiring and culture building for something like this, because you have this interesting challenge where on the one hand, you're doing some interesting forward thinking, progressive tech kinds of things with, you know, machine learning and applying it in places that it hasn't been seen before. But you're also doing it in an industry that is um, has been around a very long time, uh, maybe is not known for technology, maybe is not something I mean, you, you know, if you're, if you're talking to engineers right out of right out of school, like they all know social media and they, they know SaaS and tools like that, but they they probably don't know a lot about distributors. So how do you approach hiring? How do you approach building a culture that, you know, has a sort of respect? and appreciation for sort of merging these concepts together? Yeah, it's a good question. Definitely something that we've thought about quite a bit. So I think the way that we've been thinking about, you know, distributors are not something, are not a business that many folks in high tech understand really even at all. And so I think the way that we talk about it with people when they when they come in and we, the way we talk about it at the company is just in terms of framing things in terms of the opportunity to transform this massive part of the market. It's a $6 trillion industry in the US. It's even bigger globally. It's, as you said, a sleepy industry. There's not a lot of folks who are focused on it 
from a technology perspective. And so we have this amazing opportunity to sort of make a dent in this part of the world, this part of the economy, which I think is really exciting and, and really really exciting for folks as we're thinking about hiring them. And then in terms of getting people to understand how distributors work and why they need to exist and kind of what the problems they face are, we are really focused on getting everyone in the company to spend time one-on-one with distributors. So people visit with distributors, they go on site, they sit next to the salespeople, they they go co-travel. This is not just product managers, this is everyone in the company going and sitting next to a sales rep who is who is in distribution. Everyone at the company every two weeks spends at a minimum 30 minutes on with an end user of our product. And that's uh, really important for giving people the context and sort of the empathy for this part of the world that they don't really get much exposure to otherwise. Really fascinating. What's the what's the response typically like? Like, do, do, do you have any people who are like, this sucks, this is boring? Do people really, are they sort of shocked and amazed at some of the stuff that they learn? What kind of feedback do you get? I think I've never heard anyone give negative feedback from uh, from sitting with a customer. I think there's probably nothing better. I think in general, the response is, wow, I really just did not understand how complicated this business was. So the, the some folks come in and they say, oh, I don't really get it. You know, distribution shouldn't really exist or why don't why don't the reps just do X? And it's it's never it's never as simple as well why don't they just do x if you think that then you're missing then you're you're missing some piece what i found is that people have like big sort of aha moments when they sit with reps and really start to understand how people are working and kind of how these businesses operate and gain a lot of respect for the industry of distribution, which I think is awesome because it's the industry I grew up in and, and I have so much respect for my family does and what all of our customers do. And it's hard, it's hard work and uh, it's, it's not as simple as it looks. Yeah. And so as we've mentioned before, it's also a really big part of the economy, bigger than most people realize. So I'm curious when you take a macro perspective uh, and look at distribution, what do you think the impact that AI will have on it in the coming years? Like not just, you know, maybe other things Proton will do or can do, but also just, you know, uh, other things other people in the industry might do, right? Where, where does AI go and where does AI take distribution? How does it change with the ability to predict things, recommend things, automate things, you know, et cetera, over the next, you know, decade? Definitely. There's so much opportunity in distribution to leverage AI. And that's because, as we talked about earlier, distributors have so much data about their customers, about their products but also in the warehouse about um, how products move through the warehouse and what the most efficient way to get certain products to certain customers is. You know, there's tons of data that distributors have. And so I'm happy to share a little bit about kind of how we think about the AI and distribution kind of unfolding. So we're focused right now on enabling the salesperson. How do we help the sales rep better understand what their customer needs so that they can better serve their customer and ultimately sell more at a higher margin to the customer. And so that's about building this sort of omni-channel experience where we help all the different reps to the distributor get smarter. We help their e-commerce site uh, be more personalized. And so that's kind of where we're focused today. The next step is connecting that system with inventory management. Today, inventory is managed. Perhaps there's a forecasting model. Perhaps there's sort of a there's a process for kind of guessing based on prior volumes. Um, what should be purchased from for which warehouses. As you can imagine, that's an extremely complicated problem, one that could be 
solved using the kind of data that we're already looking at. But where we think things are going is a merging of sales and purchasing together. And I think Amazon, for example, does this today. If we can predict what who needs what products and when, and we're using that to enable the sales force, we can also use that to forecast inventory. And when you marry those two systems up, you can get a lot of efficiency. So you don't end up shipping expensive things across the country from a warehouse in Southern California to a, a customer in Maine. And so we think that's kind of the next the next big unlock is once you can automate pieces of the of the sales model, connecting that up with kind of what's happening in inventory. I think the other big opportunity that Proton's not spending much time thinking about, but I do think exists is in sort of warehouse automation. There's Again, this is not my area of expertise, but I think there's a lot of opportunity to make the warehouse operation more efficient using AI combined with some robotics. And again, I'm certainly not an expert on that, but there's a, there's a lot of volume in these warehouses and uh, a lot of complexity that I think uh, some combination of humans and robots and some kind of more intelligent system uh, would, would be really valuable there too. Yeah, the, uh, the the chief operating officer of Berkshire Gray uh, is a friend of mine, and so I'm hoping to get him on the podcast here at some point. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so we'll definitely talk about that because they're, they're, yeah, they're doing a, a lot of work there. So cool. So let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges on the tech side of your business that you wish other companies would solve. And these these could be AI-driven or, or, or not AI-driven, right? If there's just platform, compute, storage issues, you know, uh, whatever. Um, but, but sometimes I like to talk to people and try to understand for the investors that are listening here, what other things we as investors should be keeping our eye on? What kind of breakthroughs could help Proton if you could do a better job, if you could apply them to your business? Like what kinds of tools do you need? What kind of technologies would you like to buy? And do you hope people are working on and innovating? Yeah. So I think the one big area, and I know there's been a lot of investment here already, is really in integrations, making it easier to integrate with legacy systems. So a lot of our customers are on ERP systems that are 10, 20 years old, and integrating with them can be challenging at, at times. And we're, we're certainly getting better at it. And we're certainly much faster than we were when we started. But getting really good at integrations is something that in the long run, I hope doesn't have to be something that we have that we do and there's something we can buy and so we, we bought workado and that's really helpful and that's an integration platform as a service but uh, we haven't it doesn't quite unlock all the way some of these legacy systems in the way that I think would be really interesting and so in my mind sort of un- unlocking the data layer at some of these big companies would, would be something that uh, we'd love to spend more money on solving and not have to solve ourselves gotcha. Now, uh, a lot of investors listen to this podcast, uh, and they, you know, some of them invest in growth companies and public markets. Not not a ton of startup investors. And so, what general technologies or sectors are you most bullish on with respect to AI? They can also just be ideas and you know things like that. Uh, do you think are going to have a big impact uh, on where this whole you know CRM ERP dis- distribution? You, you mentioned warehouse robotics. Like, what are some other things that you're watching, or you would advise somebody? Um, hey. This is maybe the question should be phrased this way as a public markets investor, for example, what would you tell them to watch that's sort of filtering up and going to be in their, you know, field of view in the next couple of years? I mean, like warehouse robotics is a good one, right? For example, but if you have anything else where you're like, you know, I don't know if you're going to see more integrations or you're, you know, just more big data tools or, you know, if there's trends, if if you guys are seeing your distributors adopt things, for example, like that's an interesting thing to to mention and, you know, anything like that. I mean, I'm just trying to think of something that's like, more interesting than just like what everyone would say that's like specific yeah. to distribution. I mean, distributors are using ERP systems, but none of those companies are public. Inforge just got bought by Coke. They're buying 
e-commerce platforms. Again, one of those companies is a roll-up from Insight, but that's really the biggest one, and and that's not that's not public. I mean, Infor is a huge company. It's like a thirteen billion dollar company. It's just not public in terms of technology that folks are using. I mean, all distributors are on some level over the next twenty five or thirty years probably going to migrate to the cloud in some form. But I don't think that's really like a new insight or anything. Yeah, well, but it will change the cost structure, right? I think. Um... You know, it's one of the one of the values of the cloud, right? Is I I think being able to move capex to to opex, and and so these businesses could look different, right? It, it reminds me of uh, you know when I was building my first company, coming out of the man, you know, looking at the channels that provided services, uh, IT related services. These were people that you know sold you a server and then sold you a Microsoft license to sit on that server for Microsoft Exchange. And so when Gmail came out in Office 365, like they had to switch their business around and it was a very difficult transition time for them. And we saw we saw this new breed of of channel partner that emerged, right? Uh, resellers and system integrators and managed service providers that had to switch to a recurring revenue model. It was a hard industry to get into. And now suddenly it was an easy industry to get into because if you embrace the recurring revenue from the beginning, uh, you could really compete against the old guard in a new way. So maybe there's an opportunity for a just cloud first distributor to emerge somehow, right? And just, uh, I haven't seen anybody do anything like that, but it would be interesting to see if somebody would try it. Yeah, I think it, that's actually a really interesting point. I mean, I think one thing to watch from a public markets perspective is which distributors are able to transition from just selling commodity products to offering more holistic services. And I think that's really an opportunity to invest. I think right now, just if distributors can make that jump and Proton's part of it, those distributors are going to be bigger winners in the long run because they're they're able to keep their customers away from marketplaces. And then the ones who don't are going to have a hard time. So I, I, from a public markets perspective, there are a lot of public distributors. Some of them will be able to sort of make the jump. And then some of them, I think, are going to have trouble keeping customers unless they're able to use AI the way that we're talking about and add services as a component of their business. So I, I don't know if, if that's interesting to folks, but I'm guessing most of the public investors listening to this are not investing in, uh, you know, Granger. Public distributors, yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, but I, but I'll you know I'll tell you I should do a whole podcast on this sometime that I I think uh, a lot of these old line industries are going to be revitalized with AI, so it's gonna it's gonna be exciting. I, I think that's a huge I think that's a huge opportunity, and that's why I'm so excited about what we're doing. I think people think distributors are old and they don't get it and they don't know. And the secret is these are really hard businesses to run. They're run expertly and no one has actually thought to build technology for them. And now that we are, there's a huge opportunity for distributors to sort of jump ahead because they just haven't had the opportunity. I mean, people have been building sales software for companies that sell sales software forever, but no one's built software to help distributors sell more stuff. And so that's that's a huge unlock for this market, which I think is is gonna is gonna be you know transformational for for the distributors that are able to to jump on board. Well, Benj, this has been great. Um, I like to end by asking a more personal question. You know, we have a lot of interesting guests on, and uh, like most of them, I'm sure you've had some interesting you know life advice and stories and experiences. So, what is one piece of advice that you've been given, or you've read, or heard that has had a positive impact on your life, and that you would want to pass on to our listeners? Yes, yeah, so there's one story that I that I really appreciate from my great grandfather who started my family business in 1930 selling dental products. And I and I want to be clear, I don't think the we would never this is not something that you would you would do today or that is admirable uh in 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 sort of the exact way that he did it, but I think there's an important lesson from the story. So 
One of my favorite stories, my great-grandfather, Ben Cohen, he's selling dental products out of a suitcase in, in the 30s in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania. And one of the things you sell as a dental salesperson is burrs. So he had, you know, the standard bag of burrs. And at some point he realized that the burrs, they weren't marketed very well. And so he took the burrs out of the old bag and put them in a new bag, which he labeled Herculite burrs. Went into the dentist, the doctor, which he would say, doctor, we've got two kinds of burrs. We've got the, you know, regular burrs and we've got Herculite burrs. The doctor would say, well, what's the difference? What's special about the Herculite burrs? And Ben would say, well, doctor, they're Herculite burrs. I think it's a great it's a great anecdote. It's a little bit dishonest, and and I don't think that's the, that's the point. But I think it's really it just shows it, it it taught me that this is not it's not just about having a great product. You also have to be able to sell the product and and sort of hit on the need that the customer has. And I think it's also a great example of a an early A B test, um, which I, which I think is great uh, a great tool on the sales side too. So I just I just like the story about about salesmanship and being able to position a product in a way that that resonates with customers. Yeah. And I definitely think, I mean, you, you, it sounds like you're, you're maybe learning some of this as a first time CEO as well, but I always think the, the CEO job is, is, is a little bit of a selling job in the sense that it's really about framing information for different parties, right? So like something happens in the company and, you know, you, you never want to be dishonest with people or whatever, but the way you tell people about it and is, is tied to how it benefits them, right? So when you're, you know, when you're talking to employees or investors or customers or whatever, you're always sort of like framing up the thing in a way that's useful to them. And so, yeah, I, I, I think that's an interesting lesson. I think people don't, don't think about that kind of thing enough. Good. Well, Benjamin Cohen from Proton.ai, if you want to check it out, if you happen to be listening and you're in the distributor business, you should definitely uh, look them up. But uh, thanks for being on the podcast today. Yeah, Rob, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah. And for those of you listening, thanks for listening. We hope you'll check out our other episodes. We have some uh, some other great guests coming up. Um, if you have any questions uh, or any comments, you can send those to uh, investinginai at gmail.com. Try to answer them here on the podcast. Thanks for listening.